Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here with the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting, Sin City Steve, Simon Street, and today we welcome a real seven-footer, <laughs> the a real who man who's played professional basketball, and uh, that's more of an accomplishment than like ninety-nine percent of this country can claim. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Liam McMorrow, Liam, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you. Doing Thank well. you for taking the time. Happy yeah, to be man. here. Yeah. Um, Steve, why don't you uh, like uh, kick us off here and kind of uh, give us a little idea of how you met Liam? Yeah, actually. Uh, so I was uh, in line to meet Ric Flair and uh, woo! woo! And uh, just. Uh, all I know is I'm waiting in line and then immediately behind me, I noticed a presence that basically blotted out the sun and uh, it ended up being none other than Liam right behind me. So we started having a conversation and uh, got to got to know him a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think that what we'll learn from this interview is uh, that Mr. McMorrow is a uh, Obviously, he has his background in professional basketball, um, but uh, also upon doing research, uh, you've got a background in uh, ice hockey, and uh, we're also going to be talking about your future. So uh, let's just kind of get things started, Liam. Um, you're originally from Canada, obviously, correct? Yep. Uh, so awesome, awesome. And uh, so let's start way back at the beginning. Um, were you involved in athletics as a kid? Uh Talk about your upbringing a little bit for us. Yeah, so I mean, um, I was born in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, so that's on the west coast of Canada. But and then shortly after, like I was maybe a year old when we moved to Toronto. So growing up in Toronto in the '80s and '90s, um, it's all hockey, man. There's no, you know, the Raptors mm -hmm. were. It wasn't a big thing. I, it's more it, everyone was playing hockey. So I, I, I was playing hockey since the age of three, hockey and lacrosse. Um, growing up like that my 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 oldest brother actually played in the nhl um so so we were a huge hockey family i mean every saturday morning was getting everyone getting food in their bellies and getting to the rink it was um so from from three to three to about 16 it was just hot breathing every day hockey man it was yeah, three brothers and one sister like my sister even played like like we all played on this on on our school team but and then played like uh rep hockey outside of school um, but she would like, she was, she was the best for a while. I mean, she's the oldest. So, I mean, she's eight years older than me, but she, uh, she was a really good hockey player. Like they had girls play ringette for a while. I don't even know if you guys know what ringette is, but yeah. it's basically hockey with, with, without a blade on your stick. And you play with like this round, uh, kind of, I guess a ringette instead of a puck. So it's kind of right. weird, but mm. she ended up playing hockey. She was, she was, she was the best for a while. I mean, my other brothers would be mad at me for saying that, but I mean, she was, <laughs> She was very talented. She would play soccer, volleyball, hockey, and then we all just kind of followed suit with her. I mean, obviously, my brother Sean ended up being the best. Um, you make it all the way to the league. I mean, it's a good accomplishment, but especially for a brother. I think he was like the 26th uh, brother to play in the NHL or something like that. And he's, uh, Quite an accomplishment. Pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, and he's got over 500 career fights, so it's another accomplishment he's got there. <laughs> well, and he, he also he he, he fight club. Nice. He also made his way to uh, a team uh, near and dear to my heart, the Chicago Wolves. Oh so, yeah, yeah. The Wolves yeah. Were... So Wolves. it's it it's interesting when you have when you have that kind of competitive nature in the family. 
what is it like for you guys now that you're all growing up? Is the juices still there? Do you guys still compete on a regular basis, whether it be in sports or just uh, amongst yourselves with personal goals and accomplishments? Yeah, so I see it's more about the goals and accomplishments now. It's so funny. We have like a, a family group chat. So Sean and Catherine, uh, so the hockey player and my sister, they still live in Toronto. My other brother lives in LA and I'm here. So it's kind of like, there's not like the physical competition anymore, but it's like in the mm -hmm. family that it's like, hey, look at this, post a picture. And then shortly after you'll see like, you know, it's like competing with everything. It's like, I'll post a picture of my son and then my brother will post his son. And then it'll be like, but I, but I benched 300 today, but it'll be like, oh, but I benched 300 for fun. <laughs> And then, you know, Sean, Sean has his own podcast. Be like, well, look who I have. My guest next week is, uh, you know, Matt Barnaby. And it's like, okay, man. Like, yeah, it's it's still super competitive, to to say the least. The, the one who's really not in it anymore is my sister. She's kind of more laid back. She's a producer in Toronto, so she's pretty busy. Um, so it's just like the three boys now that just still go back. And, yeah. But I'm the youngest, man, so they always, you know, I grew up <laughs> up a lot so i know how to take the licks for sure but i don't i don't i don't think they would want to fight now um <laughs> they they might but i don't think it would be a good idea there was like a summer that i remember where i really felt like i don't know if it's the same for you guys but i really felt like a like we were always training but i felt a huge increase in strength one summer i think it was like maybe 23 or something like that and like i think me and my middle brother got into it once and he's tough don't get me wrong he's 6'2 280 but it's like I grabbed him and I had him in a hold and he was like, fuck, man, I don't think I can beat you. Like I, I felt him second guess the, you know, the transaction. I was like, yeah, fucking right. Um, <laughs> Cause like people, you know, basketball players aren't historically very tough. Right. But I always try to tell people, I'm like, I'm not a basketball player. I've been paid to play basketball, but that's not mm -hmm. like how raised. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you're literally, Liam, you are literally doing the Happy Gilmore bit in that sense. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. It, was, it, it was so crazy, like the story of me, like even even just trying to get into basketball. It was, it was so, so many pieces had to fall into place for that to happen. It was just, it's, it, was, it was like a perfect storm of chaos. It was like, it was nuts, dude. Nuts. We... Well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing that, that you kind of said is, you know, kind of just looking at your background, it kind of makes sense moving forward, what you're, you know, you're looking in your future. I mean, yeah. you obviously have the grit and the toughness. And, and, and look, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, I grew up playing basketball. Let's be real. There are a couple people that you can see who stands out, who got the toughness and who's yeah. like paper when they get touched. You ain't got that in hockey. Everybody got damn tough in hockey. Yeah. You know, the Pretty damn refs are high. There's there's a couple skilled guys that really don't want to fight and they're really not the toughest bunch, but there's still like a, a moderate toughness to them. But basketball, I feel like guys were always talking because when it really came down, like when guys were like, oh, you want to fight, you want to fight. Like when I really grab someone, I'm like, we mm -hmm. can go now, we can go after, we can do whatever. And then they'd be like, oh man, I just like, it's more just talk, it's trash talking mm -hmm. about it. There's a, there's a few guys in the league. I mean, more of the guys that are retired now, like you got, you know, obviously Ron Artest and mm -hmm. like, you know, those guys are actually tough, but it, like in the league now, I think there's who is there? The guy James Johnson, he's actually a MM, like he actually yeah. kicked, I think, so he's actually tough. But yeah. I mean, all other guys, like people think because they're big that they're they're tough, but like really, like they'll get knocked out like everyone else will. Like, I mean, I don't care if you're seven six, like if you haven't been in fights your whole life, you're not tough to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could be, but I don't know how. I mean, you have to be tested. Like, toughness is a thing. Like, you, you get tested, you get beat up for a while, you start winning, you, you have some draws. Like, you're not going to 
act like you're tough, like because I'll because I'll I'll call your car. Like I don't play poker, but you know. <laughs> that's usually the telltale sign. I agree with you on that, man. The telltale sign I've noticed is people that really they don't know what goes into a fight. Like 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 they know the reality of what it's gonna be like, and it all depend on your age. Because as you get old, you're like, should I, I really? Wanna... <laughs> yeah, you, you see, what I'm saying you think a little bit more because you understand. You're like, shit. But the ones that's running their mouth and everything, I said, look, at the end of the day, this, this, this ain't this ain't no pro wrestling. I'm going to knock you on your ass, and we'll see what the hell else happens, and, you know, may win, may not win. You know, the, the question that I do have for you, it, it, it's very how do you feel that, like I said, your upbringing was more at the core of, of hockey, right? Yeah. And as I stated before, you know, a lot of, of your hockey background, you know, is, is toughness, conditioning. Yeah. How did that transition to give you more of a, a bit of an advantage, would you say, when you went into basketball? So I've always wanted to ask somebody with that transition. Right. So I think a couple skill sets from hockey translated, like, I mean, just the the lateral speed of the movements, probably yeah. like. Um, like, I tell this story of a kid that's never played basketball and then is literally a grown man at 20 years old playing his first game, a college game, which sounds nuts. But I don't think I could have done that without the background in the other sports. I mean, you can't just be seven feet and like you still have to be athletic. Like I was coachable. I was all these things. Um, but what am I trying to really say? Like the um, the things that translate as far as toughness, I just had to learn what toughness is within basketball, because I think my first mm -hmm. game I fouled out with like in minutes. Um, so I, was, and, and I was very immature I was very like I was so raw as a player and then I was just so physical like I'm like how can you not do that like you cannot push anyone like that you can't bump them that hard you can't run down yeah. and run someone I'm like I'm like well damn this sucks like like it's not <laughs> fun to me because like hockey that's fun like you get a nice check okay you laid mm -hmm. them out your bench goes crazy good fucking hit kid like you know, in basketball, I'm like, okay, so what? what is that play? Well, that play in basketball is taking a charge. Or that play in basketball is getting a big block on somebody. Yep. Or right. getting a steal. It's like, so once I learned, like, you know, there's not a lot of seven-footers taking charges either. So I'm like, shit. And, I, I, and historically, I wasn't the best shot blocker. I would change a lot of shots. But once I had a better understanding of the sport and what the tough points were, I was like, okay, I'm all right with it. You know, it, it's uh, – it's – it is what it is. I mean, basketball is physical, but it's not physical in that sense where you can actually like, like I was telling, um, I was training with Frankie the other day, Frank Mir. We're doing a push day, so we're doing like bench press, and he's like, "Dude, you're strong on bench," and I'm like, it, "It's funny for you because a bas basketball athlete, any pushing with any pushing movement is going to be a foul. There's no nothing where you do this yeah. and you don't get called if the ref's seeing it. So it's like." it makes sense for, for basketball players to be stronger on pulls because you can kind of hold the guy if you're close enough. The ref's not going to be able to tell, you know, stuff like that, kind of boxing out. But there's no push movement where it matters. I, I, I was telling Frank, because we were starting with uh, one plate on each side. So, uh, what is it, 135. And that's that's right. what they do um, at the uh, NBA Combine. They just see how many times you do it. Like, football is two plates. Basketball is just one. Um, but the historic funny story is that Kevin Durant couldn't do one rep on the, on the bench. <laughs> that with one plate on right um frank couldn't believe it he's like god how you know how weak could you be but it's like that doesn't translate at all we all know the guy's making 30 million dollars it doesn't matter how much you could push in basketball he can shoot the ball and he's seven foot so it's like and he yeah. can dribble too. i mean he can do amazing things it, bench press has no it doesn't matter if you could bench press 500 pounds you're playing basketball like right so it's just it's just different different for different sports i guess but 
for me, I would want any athlete to be as strong as possible. I don't care if you're going to use a push movement or not. I think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a mentality thing. Like um, when I was at Marquette, I got there first day. I'm getting there with Jimmy Butler and, and you know, Wesley Matthews is a senior there. And they're all in this 300-pound club, they would call it. They were all able to bench 300 pounds. And I'm looking at Wesley Matthews, 6'5", 220 pounds, benching 300 pounds. Like it's like a joke for him. And I'm this seven-foot, 240, and I can't even – like I didn't even want to attempt it, right? I'm like three plates. Mm-hmm. Like, that's – that's Arnold Schwarzenegger to me at that point. And I'm like, I think there's something to be said about the mentality of, yeah, I can bench three plates. I don't need to even in within my sport, but I know I can. And that you just come on the court with a different kind of swag. Like my chest is out and yeah, I work on my chest and I'm strong there and I got strong legs and I can jump high and, you know, we're going to win this game because we're tough and we're strong, you know? I mean, that's how I would be as a coach. Like I wouldn't like, I'm going to be a hard ass coach. I'll tell you that if I ever get into that. (laughs) Well, let me ask you about that. Um, what was the culture like uh, at Marquette, uh, you know, being that the, the coach was one of the best coaches in basketball at the time? Yeah, so, well, I don't know if he had that title at that time. You you might be thinking Tom Crean. So Tom Crean just left before I got there. So we had Buzz oh. Williams his first year. But Buzz Williams is a tough coach. Like, he's known as a great coach now. I think this was oh. his improving years for him. Um, but, man, he did everything tough. Like, he he – he took a lot of coaching points uh, points from Coach Knight. So, like, I've seen guys get the chairs thrown at them, all sorts of stuff. I'm like, most of it, I was like, you know, ba- uh, hockey practices are hard, too. Like, we have a term called bag skating, guys, and it's kind of the equivalent of, um, like, running suicides in basketball. Like, it's yeah. something you don't want to do. It's not fun at all. It is a cardio aspect to it, but it's more of a punishment usually for, for, most, for most coaches. So it's like, Marquette was tough, man. It was like, look, like – it was, it, it was definitely a culture. I mean, it, but I mean, working with guys like Jimmy, like Jimmy's so tough, man. Like I want all Jimmy's on my team. Like he's, he, yeah. he, I hated him at first. They would always pair us together. There was an incoming class of like two bigs and two guards and, and, and the guards, Jimmy and Joe went to the same junior college. So they were already besties. And then the other guy, the six ten kid, Chris Otule, uh, they were, all three of them were from Texas. So they kind of had this camaraderie and I'm like this Canadian kid that doesn't know how to play. And <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, dude, like you're a, you're a big experiment basically um but i had no problem working hard i'm like guys i'll, I'll work as hard as hard as shit i just don't know the rules and i don't know what's the, like the natural basketball plays and all that um but they would often pair me and jimmy and we would kill joe and chris like just be, just off of workout because they'd have us do like certain things for time and we would just blow them out because me, me and like you you're talking about stuff that has nothing to do with basketball now we're pulling weights right. we're pushing you know uh sleds or whatever like that's just just straight workout they can just grind it so like Jimmy's your like the ideal partner for exercises like that. Like he was, he would, yeah. he would pass out, you know, we, let me tell you this about the culture Marquette. It wasn't a real practice. Like I know practice wasn't starting until this kid we had from Venezuela, David Kubion, until he threw up, he would, it would be okay. Now to be threw up. Okay, here we go. Like we would do a lot of stuff. We would start with slides, like stuff that you don't want to do in basketball. Like, just tedious movements that are tough like you don't want to do this kind of like getting in a defensive stance and sliding full court right before practice starts you're like dude we're gonna be gassed after this then we got to do a whole practice the thing i did like though buzz had it down to the second for these drills like we had you could at least look at it and be like okay we got to do all this shit but at least we know exactly how long it lasts and that we get it done and it's over and we check it off this list. Cause I've been in practice where the coach won't tell you we're going two hours today. We're going three hours, like buzz at least. Okay. It's an hour 45 and it's going to be tough as shit, but it's at least it's an hour 45 and we all know it was a mental thing. Buzz right. would really mess with us though. Like sometimes he would, he would 
not sometimes, all the time. We would never have practice at like 4.30. It would be like 4.17. <laughs> it would be like, and like now I'm looking back, I'm like, that was such a smart thing for him. But it like literally for me, if it was a morning practice, it was 6.17, it would fuck up my whole head the night before. Like yeah. I'd be so worried about missing it. But like, that's what he wanted. He wanted everyone on time. Like it's not 6.30 and you can show up at 6.31. Like, you show up 6.31, you're not practicing and like you're dead, bro. Like it's yeah. over. Like he was so t- it was like a military style. It was crazy. I liked it, but I didn't like it at the same time because I was I was on this learning curve that was crazy for me, and I was having to put up with all that extra and like the physicality. I was I was exhausted all the time, and I was a guy that never saw himself going to university or or, or school like that either. So I had that workload of Marquette being a private school and it being tough, right. and like none of this oh college athletes get a pass and like that. I don't know if that happens at other schools, but it does not happen at Marquette. Like you have to pass those. Like you gotta really work, and then. Like, we had guys falling asleep in, in, in class because how tired we were. Like, I remember yeah. seeing, like, had just, mm-hmm. like, guys, like, we were exhausted doing two-a-days, three-a-days sometimes. Like, the culture was tough. Good culture, though, man. Was so, there, was, really quick, was there a difference between uh, Marquette and then moving on to uh, Tennessee? Oh, Tennessee. Oh, it was, like, night and day, man. I mean, I didn't, like, obviously, you guys know I didn't know anything about basketball. So when I was looking to transfer and looking for schools to go to, I have no idea of, okay, this is a big conference. This is a small conference. This is a good school for big guys. This is a bat. Like, I had no idea. I was going off the word of one of our assistants, Ket, was friends with who would be named the head coach at Tennessee Tech later on. So I was like, man, like, coach, I trust you. So you're the only one I can lean on for this decision. Like, there's a million schools I should have went to other than Tennessee Tech. Like, I didn't know the Ohio Valley Conference. I didn't know that their big team is Murray State and Tennessee State. Like, you know, it's small. It's it's a low major to most people. Some try to get away with saying it's a mid-major. But I, I think it's more of a, a low major school. And it's just, like, not notorious for producing any big, like, big players, like uh, power forwards and centers. Like, Kenneth Fareed was one guy that came out of Moorhead State, but that played in the NBA, had a decent career. I can't think of anyone else. Like, it's all like, there's like a guy was on my team, Kevin Murphy. He got a couple of looks. He got drafted to Utah. There's the kid that's still in the league. I think he was with the Clippers in Houston. Uh, really good shooter out of Tennessee State. But other than that, you look at guards like Isaiah Cannon out of Murray State. He played a little while, but you're not getting like, I didn't know that the conferences like you need to stay in the Big East. You should be at a Georgetown or a Syracuse or a Purdue or Ohio State would have been great for me. Like right. they, all those schools recruited me too. I just didn't know until I got the package that had Dwayne Wade on it. Because at that point, I'm just a hockey person, but I know who Dwayne Wade is because he's a star. I'm like, you know, I actually thought when I saw Marquette that it was a, a Canadian school. I thought it was a French school. It sounds like French to me. I'm like, right. oh, I'm mm-hmm. look at yeah. that one. I'm like, wait, hold on, let me, who's the guy on there? I'm like, oh, that's D Wade. I know who D Wade is. We should look at this one. <laughs> It was, it was bizarre man bizarre like i literally want to write a book about it because it's just like i go to a juco in canada i play 20 games and that level is so low it's like i think i averaged like near a double double maybe like 10 and 8 but like that's not good like if i were to have played in it i could probably average 60 in it now or something you know but right like, so that wasn't good. And I'm going into that summer like, okay, everyone in my life told me to test this basketball thing and play. And I did that. And I was thinking of just going back to what I was doing. Like, I, I owned a smoke shop. I had a detailing shop in the back. Me and my brother had a landscaping snow removal company. We're, we're making a lot of money for kids. Like, it was, like, decent money. We had a lot of businesses going on. So I was thinking of getting back into that. And I'm at the gym. And this trainer just don't know him from anywhere. Never seen him before. He's like, oh, you play basketball? Man, I played at Durham College, man. It was, it was all right. He's like, oh. He's like, you want to come to my office real quick? I'm like, for what? Like, that's, what do you mean? He's like, 
Hmm. Just talk about basketball. Talk about what 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 might be in your free. I'm like, dude, it's over. It was a one year program. It was general arts and science. I'm done. I played 20 games. I did okay. I'm gonna go back to like being a tall guy that doesn't play basketball. You know? He's like, uh, he's like, come to my office real quick. Come in. He starts typing his computer. Looks up the top 30 schools from the year before. He's like, dude, I'm gonna get you into one of these schools. One of these schools is gonna want you. I'm telling you right now. He's like, I don't care if you can dribble the ball and chew bubble gum and walk straight. You're, they're gonna want you. I go, hey man, like. Nothing not in it for me. I mean, go for it. You want to you want to reach out and call all these schools? You start calling. Like, bro, he like that day. He called me back that night. Like, I got Ohio State coach going to call you tomorrow morning. Uh, Purdue wants you to, to, to see if you have an SAT. And like, but I never wrote any of that stuff because I never had that plan for myself. You know, I, I never. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get on the phone with Marquette, like they're asking the same thing. What's your SAT? Like, of course, we're, we you know, you have four years of eligibility. You're a seven footer. You've played 20 games. We want you. We just don't know how we can get you. Um, but they had a guy that was about to be a graduate assistant at Marquette and he was actually from Toronto. So they had him come see me. That wasn't against the NCAA rules or whatever. So he comes wow. see me. He's, he's reporting to buzz on the phone, man. He ran the court. Like they, they basically had me do all these timed things to see, I guess, to see what kind of athlete I was like. They knew I was raw as a basketball player, but they want to know if I was athletic enough to, for them to take like a flyer. So, um, he's just telling him, man, he did this and this time, this and this time. Puts me on the phone with Buzz. He's like, I'll see you at summer school in a week. We're going to work out all the paperwork. that wh- Whatever we got to do, we're going to get it done. He's like, you'll be here. Trust me. He's like, I'll see you soon, kid. I'm like, where's Marquette again? Like, <laughs> like, <where? laughs> like, oh, you're going to Milwaukee. I'm like, I was just talking to a team in Florida, though, bro. Like, <laughs> Miami, I could have went to, like, school. Alley would have been nice. Because you just thinking, like, a kid growing up in Canada your whole life, you're like, when you think of the U.S., you're like, man, I, like you just think of Florida is and like these Orlando mm-hmm. or like something like some destination spot. Milwaukee, not really a destination spot when you're <laughs> cold and being living beside a lake too, like they do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But man, I remember getting off that flight, getting to Marquette first time. I'm sitting with some assistant coach, and he's like, he's like, kid, he's like, you're either gonna make a million dollars or you're gonna get end up getting sent home. I'm like, what kind of shit is that to say to a kid? Wow. Like, on your- <laughs> <laughs> on, your, on your ride to campus for the first time, like you're expecting to hear all this cool shit. Like, oh, you're going to, you know, your apartment's going to be over here. He's like, you're going to make a lot of money or, you, or we're going to send you home. Like it's one or the other. And I'm like, okay, so what about the education? And what about this? Like, what about all that? He's like, man, these scholarships are renewable each year. You're not locked in for four. We're going to take you for one and see what's up next summer. I'm like, all right. Well. And I started summer school, dude. It was like. <laughs> so it's, 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 I, w- I will say it's very interesting hearing your story because there's so many things that you stated and you experienced that, you know, when you think of pro wrestling, that's kind of what it is. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, the lifestyle of here today, gone the next, uh, look, oh, yeah. you know, uh, you either got it or you don't got it and you're going to find out real quick. It's interesting. I'm going to say a couple of names. Um, and and, it's, and sorry if I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but I know in, in your future, you are very actively pursuing uh, pro wrestling. And uh, from here in your background, so I'm going to say a couple of things just for somebody that's listening to this interview. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously seven footers, but also basketball players that have transitioned well in pro wrestling. Some right. people know, some people don't know. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Morgan, if you watched TNA back in the day, he was one. Uh, someone current now, Omos, he played yeah. basketball. Big yeah. Show played basketball. Uh, one more notably, Kevin Nash. Kevin you know, Nash. And even yeah. The Undertaker played high school basketball. And so some of the things that you're mentioning, right? The one thing about basketball, I used to play basketball in high school too. You know how to use strength and finesse, right? Yep. And, and I played power forward 
in uh, small forward. And there was time being being down there, you know, you had to learn to shift your weight. Much of that does translate into wrestling. And there's some finesse that goes into wrestling. Do you feel that everything that's kind of had you up to this journey, um, there will be challenges, obviously. But what's some foreseeable challenges that you see that you feel that you would be up to task to kind of meet the standards of some of the people that I've said? Yeah. I mean, I've got so I don't know if it was about a year ago, I think around that time. And I was uh, I was super like I, I, I fanned out on this because. I've always been a fan. Like growing up, I'd probably say my favorite wrestler was probably was Razor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in that in that same sentence, I would have Nash in there because I really I liked like the combination of the two of them. But uh, when I found out that Nash was following me on Twitter about a year ago, I was like, "This is." And I called my brother right away. He's he's probably more of a wrestling fan than me. And I'm like, man, I'm like having Nash follow me. This is this is crazy. And then, so I start tweeting at him because I'm like going through and you can see like all the stuff he likes about stuff I post. I'm like, I'm like, I got to just message him. I got to talk. I got to ask him advice. You know, I message him right away. Here's my number, kid. He's like, I can't Mm -hmm. help you bring anymore. My body's kind of over that point. But like all the big man mentality we can talk about, we can, I can Mm -hmm. scoop all that. So, I mean, we've had conversations, but it's like not very, not, not recently, but I I mean, I, I still have his number. Obviously I, Hopefully he hasn't changed it. I could probably reach out again to get his newer number, but it's crazy too. Cause when you call him, he has this service where you have to like state who you are before he'll even accept the call. It's like, it's <laughs> oh, wow. like a smart, I'm like, I'm like Liam McMorrow, uh, the Liam McMorrow on Twitter. I'll <laughs> be <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey man, what's going on? I'm like, you know, but, but other guys you mentioned like Omas is, is, is an interesting one because I never got to play him in college. I always knew about him. And then I don't think he played pro anywhere. I think no. he kind of went straight into training for the wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. But I love watching his matches though. Cause I like to see like how many bumps he takes. Like I'll always count the bumps, like for the big guys. Yeah. Like, he, he went, I don't know how many matches without even ever taking one. Like he never went exactly. down. Vince like building it up. Like you can't knock him over kind of thing. Um, but since then he's taken a few, um, but like guys like Taker, I put in a different realm than all the other guys that you mentioned, because I felt like he did the most for a big guy. Like I, like in my mind, there's nothing Taker couldn't do. Like he was doing all the high rope stuff. Like that dude is legit six ten. Like, I don't think people realize how big of a man and a body that is like, mm-hmm. I'm seven foot in my socks, my bare feet, everything will say I'm seven two, but it's like. I know how big that is. And guys that size are not typically able to do the things that we all just witnessed him do for 30 years. Like he's un- he's the goat in my opinion. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's, I, I want to say it for all wrestlers because his mouthpiece wasn't really there, but that was his character anyway. But um, definitely for big man, I'd say he's the goat. I can't think of someone who does as many things that he does and as well as he does and keeps guys safe and never really, I, I've never heard of a story where he's really hurt anyone. Like, um, yeah. But, like, just keep, like, you know, you hear about, like, I've heard Goldberg hurt, like, a million guys. Like, just didn't, like, I don't know. I don't want to start talking shit about guys. But, I mean, the whole goal is to entertain the fans, right? And we yeah. all know what it is. It's entertainment. So, it's like, I'm not trying to fucking break this guy's neck. Like, no one's trying to slip and, you know, gear moves and, and you slips and rips sometimes. But I think 
if the fans are entertained and your character is larger than life, like that's what they want to see. Like that's what everyone's there for. You know, you're basically watching a live movie. Like it's like this is these are guys are doing live stunts for you. I mean, that's the whole and there's the theater part to it. And that's really why I want to do it, man. I mean, I think I'm a good fit for it as far as the size. And I think I could talk pretty well. I don't know. I have no idea about a character right now. Um, but the the acting part of it really interests me. And I think it'll just be a lot of fun. Like, um, I guess we might be jumping the gun a bit. But after I did the tryout and, and AEW brought me to, like, to, to TV to film, I've never been in an environment like... I've tried out for multiple NBA teams, different teams overseas, all this stuff. There's never been a situation in basketball where you come in and guys are welcoming at all. Like right. basketball, mm. there's, there's you know, like yeah. it's so competitive. There's two guys for each spot. Yeah. Like you go to an NBA team as a, as a free agent. Like one of the last teams I worked out for was Philly. Like you go in there, those guys are not friendly. They're all making right. millions of dollars. You think they want you to take their money? Like they're they're not trying to be your friend. Like they're all going to lunch. Like you're not getting invited unless you're like that charismatic that you like oh i know a guy that knows you and we use this trainer and like it, even if you do all that you still might get the cold shoulder like hey we're leaving and like you're at the hotel and we all have houses here you know what i mean like um yeah. AEW, i felt like it was like everyone i had a conversation with was very very friendly the only one who wasn't was uh was uh billy gunn but i think maybe he was just having a bad day or he just didn't know why it was there or you know his sons were both his sons were both cool um everyone was fucking cool man like from the owner all the way down like everyone was like and that might have something to do with like how i got in there okay if people know you know dallas like everyone loves dallas but that doesn't mean that you have to be nice to me but maybe that's just the culture over there but i've never been even at other jobs before the basketball and stuff like when you go into any position like it's not often where people are like extending friendship and happy you know vibes it's like oh here's a new guy here's some guy that might take my spot here's like you know basketball like that for sure they're not messing around the rosters are so small that it's so clear that who what spot you're especially if you're walking in somewhere you're seven foot you're clearly a center we have two centers so someone is either the team like it's almost you feel disrespected as a player because like the team's bringing in someone we have our two guys you guys are looking for a new guy basically like someone's jobs mm -hmm. on the line in yeah. philly it'd be joel Embiid who just won the scoring title so it's the backup center he fucking hated me he's like dude <laughs> he was <laughs> I'm like, but I, I was cool with that. I was bred for that culture. Like I did 10, I played nine years pro. Like I, I was like, I played in, I think eight different countries. Like I felt that in different languages. Like I'm, I'm good with the competition. Like I'm here for a reason, bro. Like they're bringing me in. There's a reason. Like, so yeah. oh, back to your question. I, I, I know I go on tangents. I'm kind of bad like that, but uh, I don't, the struggles for me will just be, I don't know. It, it's so similar to from me going from hockey, which is like so foreign to basketball. I feel like I'm just doing what I did again. I feel like I'm coming in and I don't really know shit. Like I've seen matches. Like I'll probably go to the matches tonight, but I don't know. Like I didn't pay my dues. Like that's how I felt when I got to Marquette. Like these kids, like Jimmy and all them, their whole lives dedicated so they can get that scholarship and get that chance to play at that level and play at the big east and play for a ranked team and play on national tv and i fucking blinked and met a weirdo at a gym that got me there like <laughs> not a super nice guy, greg Bushegi. he's like he changed my life really i wish I, I wish i still had contact with him like i mean i feel like i owe him something like big time but i mean things happen for a reason there's a reason he's working at that gym at that time reason i met him reason he pushed so much to get me in these schools and then he just 
it was so weird. Like the contact just went away. Like I end up at Marquette at summer school and I just don't hear from this guy. And it's like, wow. I wish, I, I mean, hopefully he followed me and Googled me here and there and saw what I was doing. Cause like all that was from him. I mean, I, I, that wouldn't have happened if I don't show up to the gym that day. It wouldn't have happened if we didn't meet like, and it wouldn't happen if he was just that type of person that wants to help someone and sees a, sees yeah. something they don't see themselves. Cause at that point I was over it. I played my 20 games. I was like, Maybe if I played 20 games and averaged 20, 30 points and was really <laughs> But for big guys, the development is so slow. Like, even you'll get guys that what James Wiseman went, what, second overall, I think, a couple years ago. His development is still so slow. Like, he won't be really, really good till he's 25, 26. So, you know, right. big guys develop so slowly. That's why in my career it was so hard, like, for my agent to get through to teams. Like, trust me, he's so much better than when you guys saw him two years ago. Like, how? He's 27 now. He's, he's just a <laughs> He's, you know, he's not in the young, but he's not fresh out of college. He's like, but dude, he's like, he's only played 200 games. <laughs> he like, <can't> like <laughs> that in one summer AAU. And like, I played 20 games in Canada. I didn't end up playing, suiting up at all for Marquette. Just practice. I had to redshirt that first year, broke my foot the second year, transferred to tech, play what? What do they play in college? 30 games. So I played 60, yeah. 60 games at NCAA and 20 games at some bullshit college in Canada. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the summer of trying to be a pro and i have 80 legit games under my belt like 80. that's wow. no, that's nothing at all and like at tech i wasn't even playing a lot maybe i played play, like 15 minutes a game maybe like i'm not like zero experience it's crazy definitely now you you had mentioned just in passing dallas um obviously uh diamond dallas page is a is a, a great inspiration for a lot of people in the business around the business. Uh, could you do us a favor? Just kind of walk us through how you met up with, uh, with DDP and, and what he's meant to you as a mentor. Oh my God. So Dallas, Dallas is, I tell people all the time, he's the most positive person I've ever met in my life. Like he's had the biggest impact probably mentally on me. Um, but so, okay. So I, it's 2015. I'm two years out of, college i've played for a few different teams i've played in the nba development league at this point i've gone overseas i think i played in taiwan um i played in the summer league for the knicks and where am i uh i think i'm in taiwan and i tear my knee i tear my meniscus mm. and it's Ooh. just uh, it's such a it, it killed me mentally because i'm like i've never been hurt first like i've you know i think i broke a finger as a kid or something never had a major injury except well i had the, the foot surgery at marquette that was my first big injury i guess but the recovery from that wasn't so it was as soon as swelling went down i could run and walk again i was like okay it's cool a knee is such a big thing for a basketball player because yeah. you're like you just don't trust it the same ever and you're like you won't think you'll be strong or whatever but i do all the proper rehab i'm i'm actually in atlanta that summer and i'm in i was like possessed as a player because i had to be because i was felt like i was so far behind development wise behind everyone else i was playing against that i had to put in this extra work be on the like a uh, evil uh, like an even service with them like so i was doing a ton of lifting a ton of but i'm like how did i get hurt like i do everything i'm supposed to do so i was just searching for something what can i add like why did i get hurt maybe i'm not doing enough stretching blah, blah, blah. so i'm searching the internet i find dallas program i'm like oh i remember ddp from back in the day and i'm like if any fucking yoga i'm gonna do it's gonna be this if anything so i started <laughs> oh, yeah i should be on the commercial <laughs> <laughs> i love it no like if anything, like, because yoga, just for, like, you know, masculine, like, like, like you know, alphas is kind of like, man, I don't want to do all these poses. And then you think about mm. hot yoga for your mind, and you're like, well, I'm not fucking doing it, man. I'll lift my weights and do my squats or whatever. But so I add that in. I do it for, I think, a month. I'm feeling really good. Like, my knee feels 
like 10 times better. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm loving it. So I'm just sending like this little tweet to Dallas saying, thanking him, you know, haven't ever met him, just thanking him for the program and telling him what I've been doing and how long I've been doing it. And he's like, I, I think the response comes fairly quickly. And he's like, um, if you're ever in the Georgia area, let me know. And we'll do like a private session or something. Or like, I'd, I'd love to meet up and like get lunch. Or, no, I think he just was talking about working out. I don't think he said anything about like lunch or anything. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, right back. I'm like, dude, I'm living on Peachtree. I'm in Atlanta right now. He's like, <laughs> like, his next message is not like, great, man. Well, maybe we'll hook up. It's like, come down five, right now, right? Five, five tomorrow morning. Yeah. If you're serious. And I'm like, so I show up there at like five 15. I'm like, so angst up, ready to go. I've been like talking to my brothers about it all the night before. I'm like, I'm meeting Dallas. He wants to meet me. He wants to work out, man. <laughs> like the dream. So we work out. We just kind of hit up. We probably went to lunch after that or something. But I just, I just remember him being just so genuine and him just genuinely wanting me to like never get hurt again. Like these are the things you need to do. He's like, you're feeling great now. Good. You have to keep doing this or else something else will happen. Like he's just wanted to be, I just remember him just being on me kind of like, kind of like a coach, but more like a big brother or uncle feel. I was almost getting from him. Like, I just remember him constantly comparing him. Like he's like, you know, cause he was, I think he's in his sixties now, but at that time, maybe late fifties. And he's like, dude, if I can do this at late fifties and you're 27, like, what do you think you can do if you keep working? And I'm like, just hearing stuff like that. I'm just like, you know, people talk a lot of shit. I've heard a lot of coaches and motivational stuff, but it, the stuff he was saying was just really hitting home with me. And I was just like, I got to stay locked in with this guy. And I, and I, I know he's going to hold me accountable. And that's like a huge part of it too. And it just, the relationship has just grown. Like I've always like, no matter where I ended up playing, I'd always be texting them if I ever got, cause like I never really had a too bad other injury other than that. But like, sometimes I'd get a little back tightness and I'd just be, it almost like devastates you. Cause I'm like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I called us and be like, why am I getting pain still or, you know, whatever. And he's just, you know, talked me through that. And like, even though you are doing all the right things, shit happens, it's sports, you might tweak something the wrong way. You might be, your body's just adjusting because now you're playing in China and the time difference and the jet lag and you might thought you were ready to go. And maybe you weren't. And, um, it's just been a great relationship. And I mean, it, it, it leads to, he's always, always was in my ear, like, think about the wrestling when you're done with the basketball. Think about, you know, <laughs> not really pushing it. But I'm sitting at home, March 2020. I just got sent home from Bahrain. Uh, that, that was my last place where I played. And the you know the the league there shuts that or the sorry the government shut down all indoor sports. They said mm. no more indoor sports shall be you know played. And you know I got sent home. I got I got my money. Got sent home. But I don't know if you guys remember March 2020. You got people riding bicycles on the strip. Like yep. every, and it's a ghost town. There's nothing going on. I'm I'm getting fat almost. It's the first time in ten years that my body hasn't been running, doing two days, playing games. I'm sitting at home, can't go to the gym. I actually buy a Bowflex off a guy on Offer Up or something. That, like, fuck, Bowflexes suck. This sucks. I need some. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I was feeling really down. And I'm like, let me call Dallas. Let me see what what he's been doing. And he's like, he was he was really freaking out because no one knew what it was. And he's a little bit older. And it was like, right. Like, kid, you can come stay with me, but you got to have a clear a, 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 a test that says you don't have it and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I wasn't really, you know, asking to go stay with you or anything. But he's like, uh, he's like, what about the wrestling? You think basketball's totally done? And it really was looking like it was because I'm asking my agent. I'm like, when do you think it's going to be over? No one had the answers. He didn't know if it was going to be a year. There's going to be two years. Um, when the offers did start coming back, 
because what happens with the overseas basketball is usually that money, that budget they're using to pay the imported player, which is myself, is usually coming from an outside sponsorship of some kind. Like when I played in Taiwan, I played for Taiwan beer. So that's like playing for like uh, Budweiser here. But Budweiser's yeah. not going to put up all these sponsorship dollars if there's no fans in the building to see the Budweiser on the jersey. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm talking about getting used to getting offers at 30000 a month. And those same teams that you saw for 30000 are offering seven and five. Six. I'm like Charles. Are you, are you serious? Is there a zero missing from these offers, or is this like for real? He's like, dude, this is where it's at. So now I'm talking to Dallas. Like, bro, I think basketball is over, man. Like, yeah. what can I do as far as you know, working out here in Vegas and getting ready, or like, is it far fetched to try to get me a tryout somewhere or do whatever? Um, so I go to Future Stars. I'm and and I go there for, I want to say like two weeks, maybe. And I'm just relaying to Dallas, like, what they're having me do and stuff. And he's like, he's like, kid, that's cool. It's great. You know, I'm sending him some videos. He's like, no one's going to see you in Nevada. Like, no one no one that you want to see you is going to show up at one of these shows. And, and I don't know if he's right about that or not, but he's like, he's basically was telling me, like, you're on the wrong coast. You need to be in Georgia or Florida or somewhere near WWE's development center or somewhere near, you know, you know, AEW was strongly based out of Georgia at that time. But it's like. So I'm like, okay, cool. Cause it was weird because it was the first conversation I ever had with them that wasn't super positive. And I'm like, babe, I just talked to Dallas. He's like, told me I'm in the wrong coast. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, he's like, I think we need to move. But And then he calls me back. I want to say like a few days later, he said, kid, can you get to Georgia? I go, of course I get to Georgia. He goes, well, I sent Cody the, the video you taking a bump and he said he wants to see you. And I'm like, okay. So me being, bro, I'm a weird dude. I'll tell you guys that right now. I'm fucking weird. So I'm the type, like, I'm like, okay, when is it? Like, when's the exact date that he said he could see me? And, you know, he sent it to me, and I'm like, I'm driving. I drive my pickup truck from Vegas to Atlanta, to Norcross, wow. Georgia. Pull mm. up right in the front. There, At the time, they had it in this gym that was like, uh, I think the main guy there trains a lot of football players, but they had their rings in the back, and that's where AEW was doing their stuff. You know, Cody holding all these classes. Um, so I made it clear to them, like, guys, I fucking drove here. Like, it was kind of part of my plan. Like, I, I wanted to show them I was serious about it and not like a guy that was on the fence of, okay, I could play basketball again, but I could do this. And I was like, I wanted to show them I was serious about doing it and like very, very serious. So I literally do an in-ring workout with Cody and QT Marshall. Like, that was the guys, like, these are throwing me off the ropes. They're telling me that, can you do this? Like, can you do a, a, a front flip onto a, like a, a back, like a like, land on your back? Um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I've never tried, but I could do try it now. And like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. They're like, so, so I end up doing it. I flip, I, I take the back bump and he's like, we'll never ask you to do that. We just want to see if you could. <laughs> I'm like, <"Yeah." laughs> they're like, okay. So, the water's with you. But it, it was awesome though. Cause I'm like, these are the guys, like they're both executive vice presidents. I think were their roles at the EXVPs e or something like that. And I'm like, these are the guys you need to impress. They're like, it's a thumbs up from us. Like if it was up to us, you're in. Right. And I'm like, we just need to get the thumbs up from Tony. And then, so I'm kind of in this limbo for like two days in Georgia. And I'm like, guys, I just drove my truck here. I'm staying in a hotel. You got to kind of tell me what's up. And then I finally get this text from Cody and he's like, they want you to come to TV. It's in Jacksonville. So I guess at that time, because of all the COVID crap, they were doing everything at Jacksonville at Davis, right. by the stadium. Um, so they're like, yeah, we'll pay for your hotel down there. Most guys just drive it. And I'm like, and they're like, you have your truck. So why don't you just drive it? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got 30. I'll drive another five to get to Jacksonville or whatever it is, three or, you know, so I drive down there. 
I'm like in awe, like I'm getting these same feelings. Like I'm feeling like Marquette. I'm feeling like I just met a weird trainer and he put me on, except that like, you know, Dallas recommending me and all this stuff. So, and, and, and there's another little connection in there. I think my basketball agent introduced Jericho to his wife or something, like something crazy. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I had like Jericho on my side and I had a reference from Dallas. So I'm like, I was, pre- I was feeling pretty good. Uh, and, and at this point, I have QT and Cody like pushing, saying, yeah, like all you need is a thumbs up from Tony. So I'm at this first day of taping. I'm backstage. It's, it's like an awkward thing because I'm like, everyone's working. I'm like this guy that's just walking around and I'm like watching. But like, it's a long day of taping, dude. It's not like yeah. you're there for two hours. I'm there for like 12 hours. And I'm mm. like, yeah. I don't want to skip out early because I'm like, I really need to be here and talk to Tony. So first day, I don't even talk to him. I see him buzzing around backstage, but I don't really... It's not like a thing where I like I could grab them and be like, hey, I'm supposed to be here to talk to you. Like it was just like everyone's fucking busy. They're shooting, they're filming. They did AW Dark. They did uh, Dynamite, maybe that, you know. The next day I talked to Tony and it's still like a super fast transition. Like imagine this conversation. He's like, I talked to your agent, love your look, saw you all day yesterday. You look great. The guys love you. Uh, he's like, uh, I heard you're from Toronto. Uh, my dad owns the Rich Carlton there. Have you ever been there? I'm like, uh, yeah. I think- there for like a wedding or something like that's awesome then you do you know he's well it's a yes for me and get your agent to work out the numbers and i'll see you soon i'm like fucking right it is marquette all over again like but even even like more extreme level because it's not college this is like i've never had a match and now i have a, a owner of a a, a a huge nationwide broadcasted show saying i'm hired you know and i'm like now i'm calling my brothers like yo i'm gonna be Choke slamming motherfucker soon. <laughs> like, I don't know what the plan is. So, agent works out the numbers. I'm cool with everything. I'm like, man, what a smooth transition from playing, sitting at home while being depressed, getting this call, driving to Atlanta, two days of taping, and now I have a job. I'm like, this is crazy. But what I'm not thinking about is that I'm Canadian and I'm not able to work. But I was thinking in my mind because every time I had experience with an NBA Summer League team or playing in Development League, they get the visas like this. Like, right. mm-hmm. like hey, lawyers, all that they do it all day. There's a ton of internet guys. You get it like within hours. So I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the same thing. They use all the Jacksonville Jaguars legal team to do all their legal stuff. I don't know if they still do that, but that was you know a year and some change ago. Um, so I'm going back and forth with them, and they're like, there's not enough here to get this visa. Like in basketball, you get it because you went to Marquette, you went to Tennessee mm-hmm. Tech, eight overseas. You've, you we can prove extraordinary ability within that sport. So what you have to do is prove that I'm not, one, not taking a job away from someone who's equally qualified that is American, which we couldn't do, and I'm not even qualified at all for the sport we're trying to apply for this visa for, you know? So we tried to do stuff. You know, I acted from 12 to 20 before I went to Marquette, and, like, we tried to use some of that and tried to say it's broadcasting. And like, I only did, like, commercials and little TV shows in Canada and stuff. It, it wasn't enough to get that process rolling that way, and it was just, like, now, like, I went from, like, being up here to, like, oh, now the reality of, like, this isn't going to happen. It's going to take some time. Like, I thought I was going to start, with, like, in a couple weeks. Right. And like, now there's all this red tape, and it's, like, so now we're looking at different ways to do it. And so we apply for everything. I mean, everything's still in the works, but it's just, like, I, I asked the immigration lawyers, like I, like, I asked them a few days ago because there's, like, a they give you these stupid times as the government, they do things crazy, but it's like uh, from one to 14 months is our regular processing times for these type of visas. Um, you can't even ask us anything about them until it comes outside of these processing times. So I'm like, wow. okay, 
there it'll happen sometime in the next year and two months and i i kind of got at peace with that i'm like you know what maybe it's time i need and so in that first three months i'm fucking working out hard i've ever worked out i'm not doing any cardio i get up to 307 and i'm wow. looking like a fucking monster like i could send you guys pictures it's retarded how it like how i blew up like my body just adapted because it's just like I'm eating like crazy. I'm taking weight gainers. I'm like, oh, I need to be big as possible. I'm like, look at it almost. I'm like, I wanna, I wanna be able to look way huger than him. Like, he's not even that big. Like, he's a big man. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. He would have been scared if he fucking saw me. But the, uh, I get all this size, and then it, it kind of dies down, right? I'm like talking to immigration lawyers, like, how long do you think it's gonna be? There's no telling. There's no telling. So October 25th was month 14, and it was also, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, it's gotta come before this kid's birthday, like nope and then yeah. so now we can ask them so i asked my immigration lawyer he goes i send them a handwritten letter i send them on the 26th Joe, trust me we're on the same page but i hit him the other day and he's like he still hasn't got back to me i'm like so do we just wait again like is there nothing i can do like it's just so brutal like i don't understand like i could see if i you know this is gonna sound a little fucked up i could see if i came from an like russia or like somewhere yeah. like you know yeah. i'm canadian bro like how hard can this fucking thing be to All right like, there's not much red tape it's the same country man like, like <laughs> i don't get it man it's like so like there's been times where i've like lost the motivation for it and, you know people see me in the gym like what do you who do you hoop I'm like no nah, you know and then for a while i was saying no i wrestle like what's up like i signed with so so and so and then like but you kind of stop telling people that when you're just waiting and you don't know when it's right. gonna happen like are so. you what have you been doing any training i haven't been doing it Okay, so this is going to sound a little messed up too, but uh, I can't remember if it was Dallas or if it was the guys, if it was like Cody or someone like that. But when he saw what they were having me do, he was like, dude, I, I would just wait. They they didn't want like something to happen there where yeah. I get hurt and it things back. I think exactly. that was not that they weren't doing the right stuff. I think they do do everything properly there, but they're just like, dude, we're going to pay you to train for a year. So why are you going to yeah. be somewhere training where we're not sure everything they're doing? Yeah. We want to have it controlled kind of thing. So keep yourself I, healthy, keep yourself ready. Yeah. So I just Definitely. stopped. I constantly go to the gym. I mean, I go to the gym daily, but it's like, I know I should be like roll, like doing stuff in the ring, but it's like last instructions I heard from you guys were not to do that. Right. So it's like, right. and in the same token, it's kind of like, if I was training there, it's kind of like, it kind of hurts me a bit because they're willing to pay me to train. So if I'm showing them I'm training for free or even paying to train somewhere else, it's like, are we really taking a fire? I, I don't know. I was trying to work out a bunch of stuff. I'm like, look guys, we're going to have to wait for this thing. Why don't I just do the training that you guys all have set up and then we'll like, we'll yep. back or front end load the contract or something. Like maybe it's just a big signing bonus because you guys realizing the seven months that I put in, but that wouldn't have worked out anyway either because now it's 15 months later and i still don't have it you know right so i mean i think everything happens for a reason maybe i wasn't ready like mentally at that time if it did happen so quickly maybe it would have been too much of a whirlwind um but it's crazy though because like like i bought a house in atlanta to do this like i'm that guy like i'm kind of cheap in a way like i don't want to like okay i'm supposed to train there for a year i don't want to rent somewhere for a year i bought a place out there so i could train there and, be, and like i specifically made it 10 minutes away i was only searching for places that were close to the facility like i had everything mm -hmm. set up so like I'm, I'm literally flying to atlanta tomorrow because that house is like ready to sell like that's how long this has been like wow. i literally renovated a whole house lived there for I, I think i lived there for like four or five months and then we moved back here but um it's been crazy dude but like it all works out like i'm gonna make money on that house now like unbelievably yeah. but, 
Right. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. But I just want to get started. It's going to be so cool. I think the culture at AEW is cool. And I, but then people get in my ear about WWE. They're like, we heard WWE can get visas pro- processed pretty fast for guys because they have international locations and they can do, yep. you know, they've just been a company for longer. And I actually, so I saw Jade Cargill at the gym and she's one of the kind of people I hit it off with um, in those couple days of filming and stuff because she has a basketball background too and she knows a lot of people I know. And I'm talking to Jade and she's like, dude, where have you been? I even forgot about you. That's how long it's been. And I'm like, fuck, waiting this whole time, Jade. Like, I've seen what you've been doing. You've been kicking ass. You're like 30 and 0 or some shit. And I was there, like, that's how long it's been. It's been like from when yeah. Jade almost till now. So it's like, but she's she's in there. I'm like, Jade, like, what's the advice? She's like, well, how was it in basketball? Did you stay loyal to one team just because they said they wanted you? Or did you go where the money was? I'm like, you always go where you get paid the most and where the best, you know? And she's like, well, I look at WWE. Like, and maybe I'm like snitching on her for saying that, but. I never even entertained it because I just loved all the people I met and the connection was so perfect. And like, they were the ones that wanted me. Right. Like I think I tried to apply for, I tried to apply when WWE was out here, they were having open trials. Right. And when I'm yep. my stuff, if you put an age in over 30, they weren't even accepting those applications. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is 25. I think it's the latest guys, they wanted. You don't know what you're missing though, man. Like, <laughs> But you also have to realize, too, that was a while back. Things no, possibly things could be now. changed. No, I'm it almost certain. Yeah. No, so I think if I saw any of the brass from WWE, like if I ever saw Triple H or I see, especially Vince, I heard he's just in love with big, big guys. Like he loves the big guys, right? I, it would be a quick transition, and I think it might, I might end up in Orlando, like really quick, but... I don't know if that's the route, man. Like, just going off what the guys say. Like, guys that have done both, I hear that AEW is the better culture and they like it better. More freedom with the character and, you know, as far as doing, like, promotions outside of... Like, from what I'm hearing, Vince just owns you, basically. Like, and you can't kind of do your own thing. Like, not as much as you can in AEW. Like, when you see these guys doing all these other little shows, but they're signed to AEW, they're making this extra money. I don't think they could do that if they're in WWE. I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, you guys right. probably know better than me. Well, because you're more of an asset with WWE. And yeah. so for that, they're going to carve out things based on what they can do with their asset. Because, they, they, you know, with business, they just want to double yeah. down on their asset. You know, no, no. whereas AEW, yeah. you can kind of be a little bit more independent. They know this they're gonna get what what you know what you bring to the table. Yeah. So I yeah. think Vince obviously is a super smart businessman, and I mean Tony is as well. But I think he's doing that to kind of draw guys from Vince too. You know, leaving it more open like that. Like, because I'm thinking, like I was surprised too when I was at AW and I'm just chatting with the guys. Like I'm talking to Scorpio Sky, and I'm like, yeah, dude. So who's your agent? He's like, like most of these guys don't have agents like at all. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it was just so bizarre to me because my whole pro life is like. I've had multiple agents. I've had agents that just work on marketing stuff. I have guys that just try to get deals, but it's like, you're on TV twice. A, well, at that time, they're only doing dynamite. You're on, you're on national TV once a week and you don't have someone looking to get deals for you to get stuff done. And like, yeah. I even gave him the number of my guy. I'm like, talk to Brian. Like he'll get you, bro. You, you'll be, you'll have a different sponsorship in every city that you have a show in. Like it's, I, I, I didn't, that was the most bizarre part about the wrestling that I didn't understand. Like, why aren't they taking advantage of, like you see the guys like Jericho, obviously they have outside deals and like cool stuff going on, but like not a lot of other people do. And it's just like, it was bizarre to me. Like, especially with the freedom that AW gives you, like you can basically wear whatever you want. So it's like, I, I just didn't understand from a promotional like standpoint, like why they weren't yeah. um, like taking advantage of that. Like that's, that's kind of a great like, point. Yeah, so so yeah. is, 
it's kind of interesting how you just kind of broke it down a little bit, you know, kind of taking it back to what you were saying in the conversation you had with Jay Cargill. You know what I mean? If you look at your situation now, right? Think of everything from your perspective of your pro-life and where you come from, seeing how much can you maximize that opportunity, right? However, right now you're waiting in transition for, let's just call it what it is, government work to do government work. It just, yeah. they take yeah. as long as they do and it is what it is. That's why they say it's good enough for government work. So you're almost at an impasse right now where you got to try and figure out you look, you probably could honestly, and 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 and, and I'm not an officiator when it comes to this, you probably could if you could get the ear of someone in WWE, I would say they probably would definitely give you some credence, hear what you have to say, definitely oh. give you a yay or nay faster. Yeah. However, let's be real. I don't know if I want to do that though, because like how would right. that look to AEW if I ever like say I okay, so say this is best case scenarios. I say I, I just show up in Orlando and I just fucking have to be seen. Like I'll, I'll go to the development center. We're gonna say you're gonna kick me out. I just, like let me talk to somebody. Like I've done that before. <laughs> I, I could be that guy. Like I have no problem with that. It's something I want and it makes sense. Like I'll get the flight there. I'll show up and I'll wait till someone sees me and I can talk to someone. I, I would do that. So what's the best thing to come for that? Okay, they offer me a developmental deal. Okay, they want me in NXT. They want me to train. Okay, cool, but how does that look like what if i get there and i don't like the culture there and i'm like damn did i just shoot myself in the foot when i had these guys willing to give me this money to train well you, no you, you, you're not enemy it's still no. a business at the end of the day the it's business. And all that like, no know. it's it's a business it's a totally yeah. different thing and yeah. the thing is is that you become more valuable too this is why i don't understand why they wouldn't uh you know have trained you um straight out and right. that is become you become more valuable. The only reason that they didn't train you is because you weren't officially under contract. If right. you were under contract, it protects them from you then taking what you just learned and, and then go into the other place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why at the WWE, when you sign on and you do the performance center, uh, until that contract's up or they, they let you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're specifically under their watch, their training, yeah. their development. Because right. um, when I trained when I trained with UPW in the early 2000s, we were a WWF. Um, we were the West Coast uh, training territory. Right. Right. And so they were bringing the guys out. Cena was under contract. Um, so, you know, Regal would come in to see what's going on. Pritchard would come in to see what's going on. You know, all these guys would be coming over and yeah. then they would be catching up with the guys who were under contract with the WWF. And then from there, you were sent to Ohio, Ohio Valley. And yeah. that's where you, you progressed and got ready for the, the main roster. Big time. Um, totally different now having it all in one place. Um, the thing that gets me about AEW is one of the things you said made a lot of sense. And that is it would be great to sign a contract there because you could do other, you know, other places, other events in indie scene. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't then again, they be a, you know, give me the opportunity to go do that, put me under contract and then I'll go wrestle at these independent shows. I'll train with you guys, whatever yeah. it is, because of the fact you'd be under contract and you're allowed to do that in their system. So it's it's very interesting that it's kind of strung out for a while. Um, when in the end, uh, 
I don't know why it's not like let's get this done and get this through. Yeah, yeah. it just exactly. it's, it's it's a question mark to me why they wouldn't have done everything to get it done already. And yeah, um, because yeah. girl thinks too. She's like, are you sure that's still available? Because because when we saw they signed the guy Satnam Singh and all this, I'm like I know him from basketball. I'm not, I'm not really worried about him, but it's like. I did send the filler out to my agent. I go, they still look like they kind of filled their giant role now. They have this giant, you know, and I'm like, I think it's still there. We've we've never he's in contact, uh, constant contact with Tony because he's also a football agent. So he deals with guy, he deals with Tony on the Jacksonville side, too. Um, so they're constantly talking and Tony asks for updates about me and he'll send them videos and stuff. But it's just like, guys, let's just get this wrapped let's up. Let's get it going. Man. Oh, my God. Well, well the thing that I would well, I was going to say, speaking of wrapping up, let's just kind of get it wrapped up here. Simon, finish that thought, and then we'll no, no, you, get that for the day. Yeah, the, the the one thing that I would give you, hearing your story, hearing your background, um, hearing your ambitions of where you're trying to go, and uh, you know the challenges that present themselves. You know, the one advice that I would get for you, man, is nobody can carve out or create your blueprint schematic than yourself. Right. Nobody else can drive your destiny like you can. And so, at the end of the day, man, it sounds like you know you work. You have strong work ethic. And at the end of the day, man, sometimes you have, and I think you've realized this because you hit it in the story, you you have more options than what you sometimes realize. Oh, and for sure. every in, in, in every moment, you never know. Like you said, you was in the gym and some weird dude came out of nowhere. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So you never know, man. You could, you know, e even with this interview, you know, come into contact with somebody that may be able to navigate some of these question marks and queries that you have. Yep, and right. for that, man, uh, you know, I wish you all the best of luck, genuinely, man. And, and uh, like I said, now we'll say this. Things happen, Will. Don't forget about your, your Vegas bad boys. You, oh, know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. And have someone navigate through some of them things, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I'm no, I'm hoping we can look back at this and, like, kind of laugh at it and be like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'll always come on this show, bro. You guys are, you guys are cool, man. I, I really appreciate, appreciate you, man. Cool. Oh, man. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, you know, thank you for taking the time. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I think that it's important to uh, to continue to to plant those seeds for those weird things to happen. You know, Definitely. and well, that's that show. I'll probably meet a couple people there. I mean, if you're gonna be there, I'll see you later. Yeah. Bye. Excellent. All right. Everyone who tuned in, thank you very much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys.